Hey guys, welcome to the Ike Podcast. Uh, this is Chris and I'm with my co-host Ike. And this time we're going to be discussing a wide range of things from politics to more in-depth uh, analysis of a show that we mentioned earlier, uh, that being The Man in the High Castle. Uh, but I think the first thing I really want to discuss is the vice president uh, pick for Joe Biden. Um, Ike, what, what do you think about it? Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, um, thanks for the intro. Uh, what do I think about it? I think she's a good pick. Um, she's... Uh, so here, here's the thing is, um, I, with Kamala Harris, what we have is a diversity on the ticket, which I think is very much needed. Now, most people will say, no, nah, why, why do we need that? No, you know, you do. And, um, and when I say diversity um, on, I'm not talking about, you know, it's, it's a, you know, she's, she's black or she's um, South Asia. I, Telling you, she, she's she's had a very she's had a diverse experience. Okay, so she can identify with majority, or she would be able to identify with majority of individuals. Uh, she's, um, as I mentioned, she's half black and she's half Indian. Uh, she's um, she's already spoken, you know, stories about. Uh, her experience with busing. I mean, that was one of those, like, you know, profound, powerful moments during the debates. And and a re another reason why some, a lot of people were thinking that she wouldn't uh, be, she wouldn't be the pick, but I think she, she's good. She's high profile uh, and we need that. Uh, and the reason why I believe we need that, Chris, is because um, this isn't a, a normal election year, right? There, you, the the fiscal one-on-one -on -one going to campaign rallies that can't work in the current epidemic or pandemic that we're we're dealing with. So, having somebody who is recognizable is is very good, and I think she, I, I think she, you know, um, she was able to. In, during the initial primaries or until she she dropped out, I think she was able to uh, have her voice being heard, right? So I think she's she's a good pick. Um, just her background, I, I think she's also got a strong background. I know you and me have some concerns, you know, disagreements about it, but she's a graduate from Howard University. She went to uh, University of California, Hastings College of Law. Okay, so she and she's had her career. She started her career as a district in the district attorney's office, uh, went from Alameda County to San Francisco and then, you know, became a city attorney for San Francisco, uh, was elected as, um, you know, elected as an attorney general for California in 2010, reelected in 2014 and 2016. She became part of the Senate. And I, you can see her strengths when you see how she, uh, you know, any of the candidates for potential positions, 
within the Supreme Court and um, our, you know other high offices where she's on that committee. I think she's very precise, which is what you want. She doesn't get stuck in the weeds, which again, you don't want because the weeds are what the current administration is bringing up, right? Like it's, it's a deflection, try to deflect on what's going on in the pandemic and bring in things. Uh, and just look at, you know, since she's been announced, They've, they, the, the, you know, the biggest thing I think they, they've said is she's a socialist. Now I think you know what that word gets thrown around, but people don't understand. I know Chris, we've talked about it over the last like couple of days, and you've got an interesting take on it, which I think um, you know everybody should hear too. Which is what you you know the Canadian newspapers are saying. Yeah, right? I mean. It's more than just that, but like when yeah. it comes to Kamala Harris as a candidate, uh, what can I say? I'm very much think that this is not a really good choice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kamala Harris, if you look at her record, if you look at you know her time in in office for the as you know Attorney General for California, right? If you if you see her record, if you see her stances on all these different policies and positions, I mean she's a moderate Republican, right? And I can make that argument same about uh, Joe Biden. You know, he's a moderate Republican and he has a D beside of his name. And and I'm Canadian, so like my, my politics tends to be left on majority of issues, even when it comes to conservative issues. If I'm conservative on a certain topic, it's still on the, the left side of conservative. Um, and so Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, these are essentially almost just right wing, you know, center right you know, politicians pretending and being accused of being left. They are the farthest thing from left. Kamala Harris's positions on on prisons, on on uh, uh, she made this horrible policy and threatened to put single mothers uh, and single parents in jail for uh, if their kids were truant, right? And laughing about laughing about it while she said it. Um, it's things like that that I go like that's incredibly tone deaf. Uh, uh, definitely her office and her many offices like hers when it comes to attorney generals and, and prosecution, uh, you know, intentionally made sure that DNA evidence was left out so that a person who was found later to be innocent couldn't be, you know, let go based on, you know, new evidence. Uh, and this is not unique to her. This is almost across all prosecutors departments in every state that there will be this kind of, you know, egregious, um, act done against somebody who was essentially found out to be innocent due to evidence that has been suppressed. Um, it's things like that that make me like, do what you say diversity on the ticket, but I don't care who you are as a person or what you look like. If you if your belief system, your policies are antithetical to what I would like. And in generally speaking, Joe Biden, uh, like everyone's trying to paint them as left. They are not left at all. They are moderate Republicans. And while that might be good for the Republican Party to have a moderate Republican, I don't think it'd be good for the party that is perceived as left. Um, so, okay, so here, here's the thing is, I don't perceive the Democratic Party as being left. I don't. Um, for me, I perceive the Democratic Party, the Democrats, as being more center okay you're gonna have the outliers so uh, you know let's let's step back um right now 
let's take a snapshot right now, okay, of both parties, the Republican Democrats. And I believe, it is my opinion, that the Democratic Party is more centrist, okay? I think... You don't have as many outliers in the Democratic Party on the left end of the spectrum, political spectrum, but you have a lot of extreme right in the Republican Party. The Republican Party has shifted away from being center-right. Well, to... I would that in reality, both parties actually have two factions, right? You have corporatist Republicans, far-right corporatist Republicans, mm-hmm. and you have essentially right but libertarian Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And those two can work with each other fairly easily, right? And then you have, on the other side, you have corporatist Democrats, right? And then you have far-left Democrats, people like the squad, you know, like the, the, the four who just won the primary, right? Right. AOC, Rashida Salab, um, Ilhan Omar, um, and then the new one out of Minnesota who, who won her pri- primary. Like, that is the actual left, right? The progressives within the party. Um, everyone else is is honestly just centrist or corporatist. Mm-hmm. And either of those, is, I think, is, 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 is horrible um, in general because it, it doesn't actually... It doesn't actually fight the problem in and of itself, right? When it comes to all the major policy issues... You know, whether that's, med- I mean, Joe Biden came out and said he's against Medicaid, so Medicare for all, right? He wants to expand Obamacare, which, in my opinion, is, is, is a horrible half measure, quarter measure to actually solving, you know, the issue of, of medical care within the United States, right? Expanding Obamacare, allowing the public option is not as effective as single-payer healthcare system. So, I mean, the definition of socialism, you're right, people don't really get. Um, and that's because they asserted, you know, they, they asserted to 1950s communism and McCarthyism, right? Right. You know, people doing all this sort of stuff. But I like you, you have a whole bunch of socialism right now and you don't realize it. You know, people don't realize that, you know, their police department, the library system, fire department, right. these right. are so pretty socialized things. We've already determined that you know, there are certain things that everyone in a society needs, right? Yeah. Democratic socialism is right. All right. The government has to provide this level of basic, right? Basic service, basic thing. The USPS is socialism, right? The postal service. And it's also a constitutional aspect of the social service, you know? So um, uh, I'm going to try to give like a, so this is um, this is the definition of socialism in its most simplistic form, okay? And, and from there, you can derive the different types of socialism because socialism, you know, people say, oh, there's socialist or socialism, but there's there's actually a number of, you know, um, philosophies or you know thoughts in terms of what what comprise the socialism. Socialism can also take the form of totalitarianism and dictatorships and um, all of that, right? But socialism, you know, the simplistic 
definition, it's a political or an economic theory of social organization, which advocates that the means of production, distribution, exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. So community means government. Government regulates um, behavior, um, production, how do you work, how, you know, um, how payment for your efforts are paid and exchange. Uh, that's, that's a broad definition. People, I get really annoyed when people say, well, I don't want, you gave, Chris, you brought up the example of healthcare, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know what? The, the police force is a form of socialism. But if you said that to any police officer, they'd be like, no, I'm not a socialist. But you are, right? Because you're taking, you're protecting the community as a whole. Yeah, that but more your is who's your employer? Yeah. Right? Who's it's your employer? The- it's the government or it's the, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, on a local level, it's your city or town or, you know, and then you, well, because we have different levels of, um, yeah. Law enforcement too, right? Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a government employee, you're part of that socialist system. Okay. Um, So everybody stop it. Stop using the bullshit term socialism because you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) Sorry. Right. Um, So darling, get back to, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. I agree with you. I don't think they're socialists. Okay. Um, Alexander um, Kosciuk-Cortez, she's socialist. Okay. Cause she believes, you know, that there should be a redistribution to help the underdogs and that redistribution should be from those top who have so much. Right. I mean, we all pay taxes. Taxes is not capitalism. Taxes is socialism. So if you have a problem that, you know what, then you should not be paying your taxes. Right. Uh, Don't start. People will not want to. Right. No, no, I know that. But I mean, this, that's an extreme statement, but that's, that's, we pay our taxes. Why we pay the taxes to, you know, um, we pay taxes, we pay property taxes to our our town or community, right, to take care, uh, you know, to pay for services w- locally to us. Our state taxes or provincial taxes go to the provincial government to pay for our benefits that we drive from that next layer. Federal taxes we pay so that benefits are derived from at from the federal level down, right? And there's a trickling, uh, and there's a redistribution. I mean, that's the you know that's the whole thing that like really pissed me off when McConnell was blue states when the pandemic was happening. Guess what, Mofo? Blue states are the one who pay for you know pay percentage wise pay more taxes, federal taxes, which get redistribution redistributed to your state. So you can't say there's blue states or there's red states. From a political spectrum, yes, but not from a taxation spectrum. Oh, absolutely. In terms of taxation, you know, it's it's there's large states with a lot of money. In Canada, we have this term have and have nots, right? States that have an excess and states that have not an excess, right? And 
Yeah, all it is, it's put into a pot and then redistributed as needed. You know, some states yeah. need more, uh, need more because they don't put as much into the pot. Right. Right. Uh, but no, the whole taxation system, all of it, these are existing structures that are very so. Right. People don't like the word, they attribute to something else. That's fine, whatever. But the policy they do like, right? Yeah. And the policy is very simple. People generally do want Medicaid for all, right? Yes. People, you know, yeah. do want money out of politics. People yeah. do want, you know, like, you know, an end to, to the, the multitude of wars that the United States is in, right? Yeah. Right. 20 years of warfare, right? Yeah. The entire, the beginning of this new millennium to now has been in a war, the United States has been in constant warfare. Yeah. So, uh, well, so, you know, I, and this is where it's, they're confusing socialism with communism, two different things. Okay. Yeah. They might have similarities, but socialism still allows an individual to, through their hard work and, and innovation, they're still going to be rewarded for that effort, right? Yeah, they're just not going to be rewarded like a dragon, right? They're not yeah. going to have more wealth. They're not going to have more wealth than they could possibly do anything with. They're not going to be able to be the GDP of a country, right? right. They're not going to be fiefdoms on their own. And more importantly, they don't, because they have more money, deserve to have more of a voice, right, than someone else. They don't, right. you know, take the money out of politics and watch everything dry up. Right. right, put term right. limits for people in Congress and watch it all fall apart. Make it that they can't be, you know, they can't walk into the club, which is Congress, and then walk out to become, you know, uh, one of these uh, lobbyists, right? Yeah. Because now that they know, like, you can go in there and walk out and make a ton of money, but just be going, yeah, I know all these people, I can talk to them, right? Yeah. I right. So it's it's public service needs to be for public service sake. Right. Yeah. They're already they're not paid anything as it is. Realistically speaking, they're not paid that much. All right. And the reasoning is because we know that they shouldn't be paid that much. It's public service. Right. Right. Because they're not paid. No. Beaks, you know, it's like, well, you know, they're going to wet their beaks somehow. And yeah. Which is through what? Special interest groups. Right? right. It's once they leave, they get, you know, set up in a fancy office with some, you know, um, a lobbyist company group and you know they become there because they had this exposure and their colleagues they've got this access that you know they, they, there's a there's a there's another sub industry for uh officials who elected officials who've you know since resigned or were voted out or whatever make whatever the whatever that may be you know and Here's you're right, and here's the thing is you know it's not like U.S. doesn't have socialist hasn't had socialist programs at the time that they were introduced they were considered socialist but now they're part of the American life which is Medicare and Social Security okay I mean that those are socialist programs that are now integrated into the American fabric right. You retire, you're going to expect something from your for your um, because each each payroll 
you are getting your social security deducted. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so please stop using the word socialism because you guys have no idea what that means because you're unwilling to even educate yourself in terms of what that means. You don't know it. It's being misapplied and, you know, stop being robots, stop being um, dopes. What's the other word? What, what, you know, just stop being mindless and think for yourself and educate yourself. Yeah. Just spend the time. And then come up, here's the best thing, all right? And the most important thing, don't identify yourself with any sort of tribe because yeah. to be very fair, the tribes don't agree with everything that you do, right? Yeah, we're all part of one tribe, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's the human race. No, no, it's, let's not get anything weirder <laughs> than that. Let's just go to, like, let's go to your interests. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the basics. What is your interest, all right? So I'm going to, like, lay it out. I'm left on practically every issue except one, right? And that's, right. and that's firearms. The left apparently hates firearms, right? But we've talked about this before. The, the, the Second Amendment is here to stay. There's nowhere, it's not going anywhere. But there can be responsible ways to ensure it. Responsible right. ownership is not a problem, right? The problem yeah. is irresponsibility. Now we need to weed out that irresponsibility. You know, active yeah. training, people, you know, and then more importantly, we need to make sure that the access is equal in its opportunity, right? We can't just, you know, one of the things that historically has happened is that the Second Amendment was all gung-ho and then in the 1960s, Black Panthers start having guns and then we have the first real sort of, you know, uh, large-scale, you know, gun laws put into place by Nixon, right? And and he's of that current era of Republicans. And the reason why this occurs, and it's very simple, is because, you know, policy is not applied universally. Yeah. And we're seeing that now. I mean, you know, all these, uh, you know, the, the current culture war, as some people like to call it, is occurring, right? right. Uh, all across the United States. And it's, it's a reality because there is these issues that would never, ever resolve, right? And no one ever wants to resolve it. But that is the current state of affairs. How, how we get past the state of affairs will be up to essentially the future. Yeah. Now, I wonder where we're going to go from here. But um, back, we, we got really distracted because there's one thing yeah. that yeah, we really need to talk about, which was uh, apart from all of this, right, we have, um, you know, Kamala Harris, who's in power, she's not actually a socialist. She's not left-wing. She's none of these things that we would consider. Right. Well, I think they're trying to paint her that way because they don't know how to... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't know how to vilify her any other way. Well, it's the easiest thing, right? The easy thing is to say, hey, you know, they're freaking, what's it called? They are a socialist or whatever, right? Right. It's, are- it, right. it's an easy thing for that. But the other thing um, is this new nonsense, that the spritherism that is now being propagated by the president. I just want to, you know what? I'm going to make this statement. Then Chris, I want to leave off on this because I, I do want to pivot and talk about the man in the high castle. So guys, you know, if you don't want to hear this, um, we should probably, you know, should have said this in the very beginning. First um, 20, 25 minutes might be on this. 
but we tend to get derailed with our time because we, we just talk. <laughs> but um, what was I going to leave you with? I, I was going to leave you with um, that um, this birtherism nonsense. You know what? Again, let's take a look at it. Who was the previous candidate that got, you know, got questioned regarding his legitimacy to run for the presidency? It was a black man. And now, it was also Ted Cruz, but for a good reason. Right, but Ted Cruz, right? Okay, right. So let's do, we'll, we'll go. We'll hit on Ted Cruz. I haven't forgotten Ted Cruz. Okay, um, definition of you a there's natural born citizens and then there's naturalized citizens. Natural born means you in the country. Okay, or depending on what the immigration rule was at the time of your birth, even if you were born abroad, you would still be considered a U.S. citizen, okay? That's natural born. And then naturalized, of course, is you apply to the government, you pass all the rules, you haven't done anything wrong, you get um, you get citizenship that way. So it was a black man, and now it's a black Indian woman and birtherism has come up okay i think the ted cruz birtherism was just it was a red herring then but nobody took that seriously right it was a footnote chris when it came to ted cruz and kamala harris has gotten a lot there's been a lot more traction on kamala harris and i'm gonna put down to it's race. Well, of course, you know, but even with Ted Cruz, it was like, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I understand the, the reality is that it's, 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 it's a stupid red herring that's being thrown around just to, to muddy the waters into muckrake. It's meaningless. And it was meaningless back then. It is now it will have an effect on a certain you know percentage of voters. That's inevitable. They're, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah I, for eight years, he, you know, President Obama dealt with it. And I've had people who said, well, he's not, he wasn't really our first black president. He was half white. Dude, look at the color of his skin. The color of his skin is going to dictate how you look at it. Not, not even know, that. It's just like, all right, I know, know what but you I want. know what you, I, 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 no, I'm I know very, what you're trying like, to like, do. Really, really pisses me off. It okay. does. I know what you're trying to do, but homie. Nobody in that guy's life was like, yo, what's up, my white brother? It's like, no, that never happened to him. No, yeah. this is one of those situations. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to be like, no, 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 he's not. He didn't actually achieve it. It's not 100%. We're like, no, 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 no. Let's not pretend here. When you looked at that guy, you were like, wow, his name is Barry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Okay. No, so, none of that uh, stuff. Yeah. It so, doesn't matter. Yeah, that, it doesn't matter. That's another thing that muddies, another thing that muddies the water. Yeah. Let's just be real here. All right. Uh, while you like her as a candidate, I do not. I do not like any of the candidates. But given the alternative, okay. Right, so let me let me let, let me restate for you. I think this is a strong combination to get rid of the insanity that we currently have. Okay. I mean, that's so on that note, we're going to go to something a lot more fun, <laughs> which is the Man in the High Castle. It's a four season series that we enjoyed. We had put it in, um, in a previous episode uh, that we had done, 
that, you know, that we had recommended that one go see earlier on in the pandemic or earlier on when we had started doing um, our podcasts and uh, the man of the high castle is an Amazon production. Uh, so it's available on Amazon. It's um, and it's based on a book by Frank Spotnitz, right? Yeah, it was, uh, no, 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 not, uh, no, he's the creator. Sorry. Frank Spotnitz was the creator but it is based on a book. Yeah, by uh, Philip K. Dick. Yes, sorry, um, I misspoke. Yeah, Philip K. Dick is the is the author. It was developed by Frank Spotnitz, and um, and Scott Free Productions. So really, Scott, way to go! It was really well done. And what the what the show looks at, or you know, in the four seasons, is what if Nazis invaded you know the u.s and on the flip side what if the japanese had won the war so we have the nazis and the japanese winning the war and you know taking over the world uh, and they they basically uh, um uh, split what they were going to control so the show uh, or the the book uh, the show takes place in the U.S. Uh, with some you know references to Germany as well as Japan, uh, and there's uh, there's a handful of that would be in my in my opinion main characters right. There's a character by the name of Juliana Crane, a young woman living in San Francisco. We, you know, when we first see her, you think, okay, she's living, she's happy with the life she's living in, but her trajectory as a character um, changes when her sister, who's part of the resistance against the Japanese, um, you know, gets involved with uh, with the resistance and is killed, and and that's how she she becomes involved. Her boyfriend is Jewish. Of Jewish descent, um, the Japanese are, you know, you, you hear about the horror, horrible Japanese stories from China and their occupation. Well, that's now happening on the whole Western coast. They're in the middle of the middle of the country is a neutral zone, and then on the east is the part of the U.S. that's um, that's uh, controlled by the Nazis the third Reich. Okay. And from the third Reich perspective, there is the, um, there is a character by the name of John Smith. Oh, before I go to that on the West coast, there's also a character um, by the name of Tagomi. Tagomi is a trade minister for the Pacific States for Japan. Um, and he is, he's, for, I don't know exactly how he that he's able, you know, how he's able to do it without having any artificial assistance, but he's able to travel the different um, verses, multiverses. All right, so uh, you you did a whole bunch there. I did, but oh, all right, let me let me. <laughs> did I give too much uh, away? <laughs> not too much away. It's just it it seems very disparate. 
So let me uh, let me just give it into one very very simple context. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Nazis won the war, <laughs> and uh, what would uh, the top? What would the the map look like if they did? If they if they beat everyone? Reality is Europe, Africa, and the east coast of Canada, the U.S., uh, South America belong to the the Nazi Third Reich. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese Pacific states uh, take over pretty much all of Asia. Um, Australia, the, uh, you know, Oceania, the, the, the islands of, of Indonesia, and the western part of uh, the United States, Canada, uh, and South America. Okay, essentially the, the Pacific Rim has been taken. Yeah. Uh, that's essentially the, the, the tripartite division. And so, so, and it takes place in the 60s. And the reality is, is that just like in our 60s where we had this bipolar system, of, of the, the the first world, the second world, um, being you know the the Americans and the Soviets, mm-hmm. and then everyone in the third world, you know, in the in the, the fight and culture war and an ideological battleground that was communism versus capitalism. Well, we had that in this world. You have the same thing going on, but in this idea of a shadow proxy cold war that is just bubbling under the surface between the Japanese Pacific states and the Third Reich. And the Third Reich and their ideas of blood purity and and racial purity, going like you know I don't know like why we're hanging out with the Japanese right there, you know generally speaking in the Third Reich you know it's it's tough but if you're a white dude you could probably survive if you you know just follow the follow the, the fascist right right you so know? okay Chris so um, so what they what they did what and this is why I wanted to bring in the characters because the characters are the ones that describe the different. Um, environments. A great overview, but there was a reason why I was going a little bit more granular is because, you know, last time we talked about it, we talked about, you know, a relative general arc and we want to sort of do something in depth. And here's the thing is we, I'm sorry, Chris, we may end up having to do it as, you know, uh, Man in the High Castle one, two, three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, you and me can talk about it for like probably several hours easy. And we'd still would be at the tip of the so um, on the Nazi side, right, you have a, a character by the name of John Smith, who's an American. He's a natural born American, um, white, and he finds himself as part of, he starts off being the Obergrubenführer. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right. And um, his family, mm-hmm. the Nazis have taken control over the East Coast. And yeah, you're right. You know, as long as you're white, have no, um, you, you're purely white, um, you know, have no um, mixture of any other races that they consider to be inferior, you're doing fine. You're at the you're at the top of the hierarchy. But they got rid of Jews if you have any medical if you're predisposed to a medical condition or um, genetics issue um, you're disposed of, you're um, disposed of, you know, if uh, again, you're maybe you're two thirds Germanic and then one third Latin, you're disposed of, like you're considered inferior. So there's, there's a hierarchy based on race following the Nazi 
hierarchy that they were trying to create with the perfect race, right? Yeah, uh, all that exists. The Japanese side doesn't really care that much. I mean, there's just no interbreeding allowed. And, uh, you know, they're, they don't really care about what's going on on their side. They're supposed to, you know, have the German racial principles uh, also. But, you know, the Japanese and the Pacific states don't really care. No, uh, they will... for the Japanese, it's you're Japanese. Or then, you're not. Or you're not. And if you're not, well, we're going, you know, you you have no rights. You, they, you know, it's, they, they have their secret police. They have, it's mirrors a, a lot of, you know, the, the third Reich, but in that you have no rights. You called in for, you don't know what that's going to lead to. They will torture you, beat you, whatever, to get the information you want. There's no oh, rights. You have no protections. Oh, absolutely. And uh, these, um, and that's the state of the world, right? It's like the Japanese side, the Nazi side, and the neutral territory, which either, you know, it, it's it's done this neutral ground, the neutral zone, both on the, uh, both in Eurasia and in North America, this yep. neutral territory. So that, you know, if there's ever a movement between any one of these people, you know, they cross the, 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 the DMZ, they cross the Rubicon as it is. Then they're aware. All right, all right. Now we got to like there's there's an incoming or armada or invasion force. Right, and um, the, the neutral zone is where everybody's you know people are trying to migrate to. Um, there's very little resources there, but at least you have your freedoms, right? Yeah, you you got your freedoms. Black people can live there. Um, you know, it's it's generally the place where it's 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 safer. If for other people, but you know, it's, it's not as, it's not as well built and it's not that well kept. Um, considering all of this, right. We have this, you know, dual system. There is one major difference. The Japanese empire is completely technologically inferior compared to the, yes. the right. Yeah. Uh, and that's because when we look at history, right, the Japanese empire had some interesting stuff, but the Nazis were the one with the, you know, the, the V2 rocket program. Yeah. Right. They Eisenberg was trying to build an atomic bomb, but he couldn't really figure it out. Right. Right. Uh, um, uh, of course, in this, the Nazi, the big thing is the Nazis have the atomic bomb and the Japanese do not. Um, and so for the first season, the like while there's tons of subplots going around, one of the subplots in the background involving Trade Minister Tagomi of Japan um, and a Nazi officer uh, uh, is this hidden sort of like thing going on with the technological cold war of this officer trying to get the uh, trying to get to uh, the um, to the trade minister plans for the Heisenberg device or the atomic bomb because he goes until there is absolute parity right yeah there you know the Nazis will eventually decide hey you know what if it's you know what if you know we should just take it all yeah and I say this because um, you know Hitler in the show oddly enough, is portrayed as a sensible figure in that he doesn't want war with Japan, right? He's still all his evil self. It's just he doesn't want war with Japan, and he keeps the, the, the peace between the two. Uh, but there are others in the, in, the, in the Reich who, based on, you know, actual historical figures, people like Reinhard Heydrich, who, you know, met the man with the iron heart uh, called by Hitler, um, who, who 
who's also an antagonist uh, in the show. But like you said, character stuff is incredibly important. I think we missed a couple of very important characters. I want to, uh, do you want, do you mind uh, talking about them? Uh, sure. Uh, well, okay. So yeah, we did miss um, a, a couple of important characters. One would be Keto, right? Uh, referencing Keto. Right. How about let's do it like this. Let's okay. do um, the Japanese characters, the Ger- the German and Reich side, and then the guys in between. Okay. So um, from the Japanese characters, we've, um, we've got a, I, I don't know, what was his name? What was his, was he a general? I, so he's, he's part of the, the police enforcement. Uh, and All right, so there is Chief Inspector trying, Keto. Right, but the thing is what I'm trying to do the hierarchy, right? He's, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's technically a colonel. Keto is technically a criminal. A colonel. A colonel, sorry. And so um, in, in the show, what they've done is um, if your military... Once they took over, um, invaded the U.S. on the West Coast, military officers became law enforcement officers. Would that be correct? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, essentially, that's what it is. And so him as the Kempeitai, they're essentially the secret police. They're always listening, and they're, they cap subversion and subversive individuals. Um, and they're also, you know, like, kind of like the FBI. They're, they're the special police division. They're the end of the secret police. They're like the Gestapo and GSG-9 mixed together. It doesn't matter. Point being is that he handles a lot of stuff and he's your mainstay into the Japanese side of investigatory events. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Whatever goes on and the Japanese need to investigate, he's your side of that. Trade Minister Kagomi is a high-ranking member, right, who has a lot of connection with the Japanese imperial family, who is well-liked and well-protected, and generally speaking, a good guy, Right. You know, generally speaking, a good guy. He's not, you know, overly militaristic. He's more of a man of peace, right? He's lost his wife and his son to to war, right? He's and, not. And a lot of, you know, the uh, characters like Takumi, they tend to be good guys because they've suffered losses and they understand the consequences of suffering those losses, right? Uh, I think that's what makes them a little bit more sympathetic yeah it's because you you see the past of of like who he is and, and the loss that that the loss of that a lot have this sort of redemptory change yeah um and so that's trade minister Tagomi. the japanese side also has other characters like I, you know the crown right and all these sort of things the, two main characters they do but i don't think they're really um that important and uh, the 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 other um character i want to uh bring up is the the head of the yakuza in in um uh, yeah. on the on the west I, coast right in, in the japanese yeah yeah he pops up a couple of times and uh you yeah. know he's always, he's always good yeah right and the yakuza is uh, so and they're bringing in the yakuza because they want to show that you know what that that still existed so having, you know, a, you still have the Yakuza existing within this world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Secondly, we have, uh, all right. So that's the Japanese side. Uh, on well, the no, Japanese because side. on the Japanese side, we have Juliana Crane. 
I don't. I count her in, in in the middle. Okay. So all right. So why don't we just split it up this way? There's the Japanese. There's potential resistance or non-aligned individuals, and then the third is going to be the ones aligned with the Third Reich. <laughs> yeah. Right? Does that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, no. How about this? It's Japanese people under the high castle yeah. and and the the Reich. And so let's go to people in the Reich, right? Uh, you mentioned John Smith earlier, uh, or Obergruber Fuhrer, uh, John Smith, which is the equivalent of general. Yep. Um, and then you have a character called Joe Blake. Um, uh, yeah. the, but we, we're not sure, like, you know, who um, Joe Blake is aligned with. Is he part of the, not, he's from the East Coast. So there's got to be, and he's got, he, we know he's, there's some relationship with, with uh, John Smith, but we, we're not really sure what that relationship is, but his- And where he land on the line, morally speaking, you know, he definitely has uh, moral conundrums with what he does. Uh, and yeah, that's Joe Smith. Um, sorry, I mean, uh, Joe Blake. Uh, and yeah, Joe Blake has more of a, his, his role expands in terms of his history and what it means to be him as it moves further along. Yeah. Um, but in the first season, he is—he uh, very much is like this person who is connected with the Reich, but is in his head debating the morality of it all. Yeah. And then, lastly, uh, well, no, there's more uh, uh, on that side. We have Adolf Hitler. We have uh, John Smith's friend, the general, who is passing the information of the atomic bomb to the Japanese. We have. Um, uh, Reinhard Heydrich, a uh, historical character, people like Heinrich Himmler, right? Um, right. These are John Smith's important. wife. I mean, she's an important character too. John Smith's, yeah, John Smith's wife, uh, his son. Yeah. Uh, his, you know, uh, we, his have, we have individuals. Yeah, his family. We have these individuals who make up the, the nature of what it's like in the, the, the American Reich and, and, how to, and how they, you know, maneuver their way. How, how a person like John Smith can exist, um, you know, as as who he is within the, the the Third Reich, such high ranking, and also you know, a natural born American and not a German. Right. So, you know, that's the uh, the the case there. Um, there's more characters, but uh, I want to go to the, the 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 guys in the middle, right? The the, the real centrists, um, the resistance, uh, and they're underneath a character called the Man in the High Castle. Yep. Right. A character that you don't see until the very end of the first season. Yep. So, uh, and right. So that person, so the characters we have, they're part of the resistance. Juliana Crane, who finds herself as part, you know, getting more and more involved with the resistance because of what happened to her sister. Right. Um, there's her boyfriend, Frank, Frank, who Frank ends up having a completely different path, but he's, um, he his path is because of what happens to his sister and the and um, Frank is Jewish, so you know he's not going to survive in the Third Reich, and he's he lives yeah. In the yeah. So he yeah. works factory, you know, creating replicas. He's he's an artist, and that's important. Um, because you think, oh, okay, well, why are you talking about this? Because Frank's character does have an arc. It has a finite arc as well. It's, uh, it's his path 
to the resistance um, that uh, that you know we have to that that and then he's got a he's got a a close friend he's got a co-worker and friend um who is gay and then you know in the third reich would never have survived um so have, yeah like the, the there's all these middle characters here's i'm going to get into straight up complaints uh there's just so many things going on in the show when you're going like please can you go to the things that are interesting yeah right anything that's going on with the, like frank well, Frank. Actually, so you probably were like, I don't, I liked all of this. So I didn't really find slow. It's not slow. It's just like, like it's interesting to, to see these guys in their own adventures. I don't care. Can you please like <laughs> Frank's, like Frank's whole arc is a revenge story that he gives up halfway. Like when he gets to season two, it makes little to no sense. And then it falls apart. And then it continues in season three and doesn't amount to anything. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, we'll talk about it. This is why we, you know, I think this is going to be more than just one, one, okay? So, guys, we're setting up the characters for you so that we can start talking about it, okay? Uh, so, Chris, we want, so we're still in the the resistance, right? So, uh, the 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 most important character is Abidson, Hawthorne Abidson. That's the man in the high well, castle, right? I don't know Carl Arthur Robinson. We don't see him. Don't worry about him. Most important character is Juliana Crane. Yes, she's she's the pivotal character throughout this. So you're following her journey, and in her journey, we're learning about the resistance. We're learning about uh, Japanese occupation, and we're looking uh, learning about the Third Reich's occupation. Okay, so the characters um, that we have um here's the thing is um and beside you know the stories that are happening the way that the story moves is juliana's characters through her sister gets a film and in this film um a black and white film um a, this film reel she sees a world that's not the one that they're living in okay what does that mean? Well, she sees San Francisco. She sees San Francisco, though, taken over by the Third Reich, which did not exist, right? Because they're in where Japanese have control. Uh, so the what's happening is the man in the high castle is trying to collect all of these films that are being created we don't know where the film we don't know there or you know we start off with we don't know what where the origins of the films are but there's different scenarios of a world that's not theirs and what we learn is that these different worlds are the different possibilities that could happen or could have happened in their own world if certain paths were taken yeah, it's just the it's the multiverse, the infinite universe yeah. theory. Just every possible uh, you know decision, outcome, or solution exists and has and and occurs. And so the of events for the Nazi ones exist just as easily as our version of, of events occurs. Just as easily as there's a version of, of events where the, the Soviets, you know, won instead of of us. Right? right. Like there's everything is possible. Right. And we learned that Tagomi, Trade Minister Tagomi, is able to travel between these words, uh, worlds, but we don't know how. He just, 
does. Like one minute, yeah, but the thing is, I, I mean, for our discussion, we need to move this along because we could sit there and we could talk about all of the characters. I think we should only <laughs> talk about. I think we only should talk about one season at a time, right? If we're gonna, okay. if we're not gonna, because if if we jump to that level of big thing, I can go straight to the ending. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ari, fine. Why don't you drive this then? And then, it, realistically, the first season is like you said, Juliana Crane, her sister has been murdered by the Kempeitai, the secret Japanese police. Uh, and be- But before she was killed, she gave to her sister um, uh, a film, right? And uh, the film is from The Man in the High Castle. And when she plays it, what uh, what it is, it's showing, you know, victory in Europe, uh, the use of the atomic bomb against the Japanese at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, and, the, and victory uh, in the Pacific. Um, and then the, the end of World War II. It, it, it's this highlight reel of all these things, and it's this impossibility. But it, you know, the show takes place in the '60s. It's like there's not like how could you fake this, right? And they're like, yeah, but the man in the high castle does, right? He fakes these things with you know whatever. But she goes like, how? I mean, it. But what it does is it awakens inside of her this idea that holy crap, we could win. Like we did win. It's like it's right there. It's like how how is it that we won and we also didn't win, right? It's this strange thing in her head. This, you know, film reel, the knowledge of what it amounts to and who is the man in the high castle and how can we get to him is the, the fundamental crux of the season. Joe Blake from the Reich is tasked to find out who the man in the high castle is and get the film. Um, you know, Juliana Crane is tasked to deliver it. Um, you know, the man, in the, who, you know, trying to get to the man in the high castle, trying to, get, you know, make your way over to, to different places in the Reich. Uh, Frank Fink and, you know, his buddy and pawnbroker he works for is a side story that amounts to, hey, I'm an idiot. I need to make some money. I'm going to piss off criminal people. I'm going to go piss off um, uh, (laughs) because of my connection with Juliana Crane. My family is going to get killed. I'm going to then instigate the guy who killed my family and then join a terrorist uh, group against uh, against the Japanese. Um, it's 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 allowing us to see what's happening in the Japanese Empire while we're really getting to see what happens in the neutral zone and and the Reich. Um, but an interesting part of the Japanese Empire is Tagomi and everything that he's doing. We don't need to see the the resistance of the Japanese Empire because it's especially because the resistances between the the East and the West are so completely different and everything. And Frank Fink's story in later seasons fizzles up to nothing. So. Right. Okay. But here's the thing is that because Frank is an art. Okay. His character goes to nothing, but along the way, yeah, he others, helps inspire a revolution. Yeah. He helps inspire stuff. Uh, to be very fair. Uh, if you look at the genesis of everything that happens in the end, there's no, none of that occurs. Uh, well, I, I like, think, you know what, if they were going to delve into it, it would probably be a lot longer of a series. Um, but we'll talk about the end of the series too, because you and me are very, we've got, of course, strong opinions about that as well. But So that, that's the nature of the first season. And yeah. I know we're going to talk about the second season, but, and this is a spoiler, the, the first season ends um, in a way that I was, I was like iffy at the time, but, you know, with all seasons available now, it, it allows you to easily get into it. It ends with, Joe Blake getting the 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 footage, you know, um, you know, getting the footage and escaping. Uh, Juliana Crane letting him have it, and uh, and then you know eventually going to actually see the man of the high castle because um, 
he go and he reveals the nature of how he gets the tapes, right? Yeah. Uh, how he gets all this stuff, and the revelation is that there is the multiverse, uh, and he is able to get the tape of us winning because he got it from a place where we won. Um, he himself doesn't jump around, but he himself, uh, but uh, other people do to to give it to him. And one of the people who's recently traveled to him right from another universe is uh, an alternate version of Juliana's sister. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first season really encapsulates this world. Well, it does a lot of good world building. It, it introduces us to characters. It shows us resistances on both sides. Right. And we don't know. Okay. So uh, obviously we've given a huge amount of spoilers because by the end of season one, we still don't know that there's a multiverse and that there's travelers back and forth. We just know I mean, that Tagomi has gone somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tagomi does his thing and then he wakes up and he's in like, you know, modern day San Francisco. Yeah. Right. But no, I mean like he's in San Francisco, but it's got like a whole bunch of different stuff on it. And um, the key to this world is Tagomi's son is still alive and his son is married to Juliana Crane and they're part of the, um, the anti-war protests that were happening <laughs> the the anti-bomb protests that were happening yeah, yeah and that's a season two arc to deal to to delve in deeper um and we'll we will talk about that eventually yeah but the the man in the high castle season one is a good thing to watch uh, and it only gets better the you know as they start killing off characters that you know are don't really have anything to do with anything as they start you know, consolidating their storylines as they start going, all right, well, let's, let's delve into background characters and stuff like that. Um, we, we get a more tightly focused story. Um, and the second season is, in my opinion, superior to the first. And then the third season is not the second season. Well, uh, okay, so I would think the third season me. is good. Well, yeah, no, I thought the third season wasn't bad. No, it's not that it was bad. It's, it's, I feel like it's equivalent to season one, which was good, but the second season's villain, you know, like to me, I was like, that is it. Like you, you've done a great, you know, lot, you know, third act twist. You've given me this heel turn. You've shown me this character. You've made me sympathize and empathize with him. And then he flips and you're like, oh no. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and we'll talk about that later. Point being is that, so um, first season I liked Second season I really liked. Third season I liked, except for the ending, and we'll get onto that later. Uh, what about you? What, what did you think about the first season? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, third, so the third season ended with I need to know what's happening and when are they going to release the second season, and that's how you want to end it, right? Mm -hmm. And thankfully there was a second season, a third, and a fourth. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought there. So I, I don't think there was a fourth season, was there? Um. Was there no? You're right. There was a, no. Yeah, there was. The fourth season is the season with you know that we didn't like, dude. Come on. No, no. Yeah, there was four seasons. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what happened. Third, then. Well, okay. So the third is. Um... Oh no! I remember what happened in the third. Okay. All right. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, the third season is actually <laughs> pretty much uh, forgettable. Yeah, the third season I was in the fan of. Okay. Yeah, the third season. A third season, I was just like, Ugh. but um, so the, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Okay. I was saying, thank God <laughs> the third Reich did not expand because you and me, Chris, we would be done for. <laughs> right. Um, they had this third Reich has 
um, the gas chambers and mass um, all over the U.S. that they control. The neutral zone is, you know, has, is not, it's not a utopian world, right? There's a lot of struggle. And then the Japanese and how brutal they were. Um, and, and they just, I think, probably just, you know, put just the surface of how brutal the Japanese uh, occupation was, is what they tried to explore. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it uh, the whole time. I was like, who, where are these, t- where are the films coming from? And who is the man in the high castle? Okay. And so the man in the high castle can be two people. Chris, I'm going to say this. <laughs> it could be two people. It could be Abinson or it could be Hitler. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, it's it's officially Abinson, but also yes. like on uno, like unofficially, you think about it, it's like you know Adolf Hitler lives in the high castle, yes. right? And he's got right. all these tapes as well, right? Right, right. So Abinson is the man in the high castle, absolutely. But you know, with Hitler, it's like, is, but is he? <laughs> um, so I, I thought, well done. You know what? This is the way it should be we want to know what happens and will the third reich ever end right or is are they going to do um are they going to take over the rest of it too because again we're shown that in this world the japanese are not as technologically advanced as the third reich counterpart and for there, for there to be some kind of, I mean, that's what the Cold War was about, right? After World War II, between U, the USSR and the West, it was this, yeah. it was this proliferation of of um, missiles and uh, you know the military-industrial complexes and moving the pieces around the globe to control right yeah. and, and that's that's and and there's two comp- very different ideologies one was totalitarianism um slash communism and then on the the other side was a democratic capitalist society very much yeah very much so and um yeah, it's it, it this this polar division of the world. It, it mirrors itself with the the, the Nazis and, and and the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, what can I say? The the geopolitical stuff to me was interesting. I just wish that we got more. I wish there was more in this sort of like alternative history genre. You know that we could you know point to like oh yeah because I it, yeah I agree with you because you know we could say okay, what what if this happened like what would the world be like. You know, and okay, so I'm going to throw this out there because it's not, but Firefly, right? That was sort of what it was. Like it was, okay, so I, I know I've just thrown like a a show that, you you know, you guys haven't, we haven't talked about it all. It's the far future, to be very fair. Yeah, well, it's, but, it's the, not- but the thing is, so, the, so we're talking about, you know, how, if a world was, you know, how, 
if certain things happen, what world, what would a world be like, right? Uh, yeah. Firefly oh, is oh, takes sure. it to you know what, the um, where there's where the Chinese culture exists, co you know, with uh, with a Westerner, right? Yeah. Future yeah. in that future, you're yeah. Yeah. Future, you can do anything. You can always go like, oh, well, this is the difference. Star Trek does that. The difference in Star Trek is in 1990 there was a eugenics war, right? right. Um, was World War Three right about now, and then in 2050 we hit war drive. Like we with future, it's easy, but for you to be like, all right, I want to see the difference of how things are like today. If one thing was different, yeah, you know, like a year ago, yeah, or, or well, like let's take this major event and switch it. So, more. so, so you know, you know, uh, okay, so you know, um, the uh, now my you know my brains my brain stopped working but um beninoff and his um his right oh confederate uh, yeah that movie that i wish you know what i wish that people weren't so it, they would have given it a because i think that would have been an interesting one right yeah there so were, that one has two things to i would so let me explain it confederate yeah. was about the idea that the confederacy never lost uh uh, the Civil War. In fact, they grew um, side by side the United States. So, and and it's about modern day where the institution of slavery still is maintained in the Confederacy. And, and what would the world look like in modern day if that major event didn't occur? If the Confederacy never fell apart. Um, and so, I thought it would be an interesting, definitely an interesting to look at. The issue is, is that the optics of it now. Oh my goodness! It would it like right now. It, it's not something that I think that could be done in a very effective way. That wouldn't you know, well, a lot of content. Well, okay, so I would disagree with you in that. You know what? I sh something like this, if it was developed right properly, would would you know? I think the eyes of people that you know, about slavery, why it's so wrong. So uh, while I agree with you, the people who need to realize how slavery is wrong are not going to realize how slavery is wrong from this. <laughs> the people who need a history lesson are not going to get it from this. The people who, it's the people who watch the beginning of Watchmen, the show, and go like, why are they telling me some history stuff, right? Why is this show so political, right? Those are the people who are going to complain about this. And there's a lot of them. So uh, while I agree, it would have been awesome. It would have been cool. There are definitely people who would have taken it way out of context, who would have been offended, you know, rightly or wrongly. It's up to them. And But there's just so much that could have gone wrong. Yeah. And then on top of that, Game of Thrones ended so poorly that it doesn't, it's a moot point. The show would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. So, but the thing is, I didn't have a problem with the concept. I Because that's a, that's something that I would have, wanted explored okay oh, because absolutely. i think, I think the because here here's the thing it's you know what i think um weiss that that's his partner it was his uh, development partner um which is you know when they were talking about the show confederate that they were developing right he you know he said that you know he said that slavery is one of the worst things that's ever happened in american history and you know, he he did equate it to 
an original sin. You know, yeah. and that the, you know, but the and the history doesn't disappear, and that sin will continue to remain with us in our minds. You know, if it's not addressed, right? And it's never been addressed. I mean, just several week, weeks ago, uh, it was Cotton who said that you know slavery wasn't so bad; it helped build the United States. How can you say that? but he did oh, right and and that's yeah. a lot of people have that opinion and it's like what is wrong with you so i think you know having a show that would give would, would look thing. at the having like fall. a third you know ha having another civil war because we also evolve as as a society right and that evolution what the evolution we have here's the thing how do you layer it on top because David, because Benioff and Weiss do this a lot, they tend to make moral ambiguity out of straight up evil. So I do not think that they have it in them to write an effective story on the nuances and moral ambiguity of slavery without making it look completely, completely wrong. I think that in better hands, maybe this could be possible, but I think they would somehow mess it up and go like oh maybe the slave owners are not too bad and that's the last thing you want because they're i mean that ending of game of thrones go like you guys what the hell did you yeah do? but they they ended you know they did a piss poor job of ending game of thrones because they wanted to they were tired of it and they wanted to go do the all of these other projects that had opened up because game of thrones was such a huge hit yeah. Then on top of that, they have forty other projects, of which majority of them got canceled. Right. They left Confederate because like hey, because everybody. Okay, so Confederate didn't go through because of I think a lot of the backlash and 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 stuff like that. But um, the other stuff, it's because the other stuff fall is you know fell through because it was like, damn, there's like a lot of like really pissed off fans. Like, what the hell did they do? Well, it's here's the thing. So I'm gonna throw it out there. Their, their bad writing has, like, Benioff in particular, he wrote, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine, one of the stupidest movies in history, with, you know, lines like mind-erasing bullets or his memories won't grow back, right? Where, you know, like, where the, it's just really bad. And you did that to a character like Wolverine. And then we get Logan, and you're like, oh, this is what a, you know, Wolverine solo movie can be. So, no, their pedigree is not that great. They were riding on the coattails of some excellent, beautiful material. When they didn't follow that material to the letter, we, letter, we got things like the Dorn storyline, which was garbage. Yeah, that was a waste of time. That completely dude, wasted time. Of, yeah, dude, that was nothing like what is in the books. Yeah. And I'm not a person who's like, it has to be identical to the books. I, if you can do something better, man, I'm all for it. But guess what? They didn't do it better. They did it worse. They... And but that's the thing. Whenever they don't have material, right, they fall apart. Yeah. Right. And this is them doing their own thing on their own material. They're going to fall apart. Right. And they're going to when you're going to do an important show like this, you need Watchmen level of intricacy and 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 detail and just straight up cojones to, to get this thing done right and proper. Damon Lindelof, I think, is one of those guys. You know, D, you know, D and D, yeah. right? Are not. They are. I think, as much as I'd like to see it, 
I'd hope that, you know, HBO one day goes like, hey, you know, well, let's brush off this concept and get a new show showrunner. But those two would have really not done it a service. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They wouldn't have done it a service. But, you know, you said, you know, you would like to see shows explore. Yeah. I, I'm i bringing that up as, you know, they're one yeah, of Yeah, that is a good yeah. concept to explore. You know, like Confederacy winning, good concept. Nazis winning. There's more that can be done in that universe. Right or not in that universe, but in that concept, I'm all for it. Uh, the Soviets winning, tons that can be done in that concept. Yeah. Um, uh, there's 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 so many concepts that 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 there's so much room to explore. Right, the opposite world. The you know the, what if the Roman Empire never fell? That's essentially just like the mirror universe in Star Trek. <laughs> but right. um, there there's a million things that, that I'd like to see alternate histories and very very clever takes on how things would be different and so in the united states um you know oh what if jfk never died uh great show 11 20 uh uh 11 63 uh i'll throw that out there jfk it's trying to stop jfk's assassination and getting it right um that's another great show uh nice little mini series uh, i don't think i've seen that one yeah it's, it's on hulu so uh i i recommend it um uh, but yeah, so I think let's end it off there when it comes to Man of the High Castle in general. I will want to get to season two next time. Um, and I want to really, really, I want to actually do what I, I want to skip the news portion in the beginning and do seasons two, three, and four next time. A full Man of the High Castle episode. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the recap for season one will be on this one. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And on, a, on that note, we're going to bid everybody adieu. Thank you very much for joining us. And um, until next time. Yeah, see you guys. Right, bye-bye.